Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 86 of Bleeding Blue. And today, David and I are going to be talking about the state of this football team, the state of the union, the state of the New York football giants. Is it strong? Is it weak? We will be giving our own answers and our own little speeches on whether the state of the football team is strong or weak. And also... We have some voicemails. We are introducing a voicemail line towards the latter end of the episode. So, without further ado, let's bleed blue. David double underscore powers. It's been since like the Minnesota pregame show that we've actually like talked to each other. No, that's a lie. We saw each other at the Vikings game, but at least well, in, in a in a podcast setting, that is the last time that we that we have spoken. Yes. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, do we consider pregame periscopes part of the podcast? Yeah. The people of the universe, it's been a while since the people of the universe have heard our voices together as one bleeding blue unison team. So that's why the weather's all crazy today, because the universe needs us back. That is that is very true. I got very wet today, and I was properly prepared for the day. How How are you properly prepared for the day if you got very wet? I had a raincoat and an umbrella, but that's how much it was raining. I also I have see. I have an I have an old man story. Well, you are an old man, so I am. But no, this is a this is like it, this was a really big moment for me in my recognition that I am an old man. So a public safety St. Joseph's University public safety officer was flying through this parking lot, and there were puddles all around the parking lot. I yell. To this public safety officer who's driving in this van with windows up, they can't hear me. I said, "Hey, take it easy," and I said, "Jesus Christ!" <laughs> Which, oh, that's 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 a curse. I said, "JC," and I was like, "Hey, take it easy." And then I had this moment walking away from it. You know, after I was just purely just angry, I'm like, "I am an 80 year old man." I can. Com- the best part about that is I've walked around campus with you before. I can completely see you doing that. I, I can see I I know exactly what the facial expression was. I know what the hand motions were. I know exactly what you looked like as you walked away from the situation. I can see all of it. 
I, and you, but I there, love there, there were no hand motions. There were no hand motions. Like there oh, really? would have been hand motions. You ble- but I was holding an umbrella and holding my backpack because it was pouring rain, David. <laughs> okay, right. I, f- I forgot you have you would have an umbrella. Yeah, and and it, oh, I almost got splashed. I was so mad, and I screamed. I did not hold back. Like there were people around me. I I don't care. Like I, I'm also a senior, so I feel like I own the place, which I do. But that's uh, beside the point. Debatable. But that's beside the point. So I, I had that realization that I am an old I'm I'm becoming an old man. Um I also went pumpkin picking this weekend. Okay. I picked two of the best, most perfect pumpkins you can ever pick. So this is going to be a hot take, probably the hottest take that I, I will make on the podcast tonight. That's that's debatable. I think this is a state of the union speech episode well that's how hot this take is oh wow pumpkin picking might be the most overrated activity like ever we're breaking up that's it hear me out really quick hear me out everyone everyone kind of treats apple picking and pumpkin picking as the same thing because you're you you do essentially the same thing you're just picking different things Pumpkins, after you pick them, serve essentially no purpose because unless you're going to commit yourself to making pumpkin pie, which is quite the undertaking, and I don't even like pumpkin pie, it's not very useful in that regard, whereas apple pie is delicious, and you can just eat an apple. You're just going to sit there and eat a pumpkin. You also <laughs> you also get like three pumpkins, and you realize how terrible an idea that was because now you have to carry them. So you're walking around with these giant orange balls in your hand, mm. and you, I didn't mean it like that, Justin. Gosh. Time out. <laughs> but yeah, my that my essentially my point is, pumpkin picking is extremely overrated. Granted, I'm doing it this Saturday, but it is so so overrated, and it's not even hard. Like apple picking is fun because it's like a scavenger hunt. You never know when you look in a tree where the good apples are going to be because you got to kind of like sift through the leaves and whatnot to find them. Yeah, that takes work though. Pumpkin picking doesn't take much work. Of course it does. You walk around. You walk around a field, an, like an open field. You you just look on the ground for which one looks the best. There's no there's no skill. All it takes is exactly. you say you just say that one looks good. You pick it up and then you realize how freaking heavy it is and you throw your back out as you're picking it up. You out of all people should know this considering you're an old ass man. I am. But here's the thing. I don't take big pumpkins because I I like to use the pumpkins as decoration pieces. So right now in my in my studio, which is also my workspace, which is also my room, <laughs> I know I, I've I've seen said studio, Justin. <laughs> right now in my studio, I'm looking up to my top right, sitting on top of my books, is the most medium sized orange pumpkin that I picked out on Saturday. And they give you a bucket. They give you a bucket when you go pumpkin picking, so you don't have to carry them, and also so you don't get splinters in your fingers because you're carrying them by the stem. You just so you just carry the bucket, which is actually Correct. heavier because you have to carry the weight of the bucket as well. Well, if you're not dumb and if you if you're not dumb and you take a medium to small size pumpkin, you're fine. All right, we're getting carried away. You're a hypocrite and a bad guy because you're going pumpkin picking this weekend anyway. That's true. That's true. So, hypocrite, bad guy. Welcome to the bad guy club. 
Uh, David, this episode is going to be centered around uh, giving a state of the union, state of the football team kind of conversation because it's been it. It honestly feels like the Giants have had a bye week without actually yeah. having a bye week. It's really weird. It's real weird. It's actually, although it's the best timed non bye week, bye week the Giants could have possibly had. Gives you some extra time to get your guys back, get your guys healthy for two games that are going to be difficult, but are no doubt winnable. Who comes after Arizona? Detroit. Oh, you'll be there. I will be there. I will be in Detroit. Why, yeah. did, why did you decide that that would be the game that you would go to? I know you said that you want to go to an, at least one away game every single year, but why Why Michigan? Um. Well, honestly, just based on the other away games they had available. It, it it seemed the most doable. So, I mean, outside of that, you had Tampa, which I just logistically couldn't make work. Um, we had Tampa, we have obviously Dallas, which I can't, it just can't happen right now. The tickets are stupid expensive. Uh, I've been to Philly. I've been to Washington. Um, New England was a Thursday night. Couldn't do that. Uh, and also really expensive. Um, the Jets is one of our away games, which is kind of crap. Um, and you've you've been to MetLife Stadium a fair amount of times, a couple of times, once or twice. Yeah, yeah. So it just it seems like a good uh, a good opportunity. Driving there, it's not that bad a drive. You should yeah. you should live stream from the Bleeding Blue account like for nine hours straight. Uh, well, I'll be driving, so I don't know about that. Well, just have your buddy hold the phone for you. Buddy uh, Ray, who's a big listener to the podcast. Uh, yeah, shout out Ray in Brooklyn. Shout out Ray in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. Shout out. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out. He didn't leave voicemail. He's a bad guy. Um, <laughs> join the bad guy club. David, uh, I want to start off with you. I want to start off with you. I need you to give me some inspiration right now because even I feel good. I'm like pretty happy. I'm like pretty positive right now, but I've been more out of the loop with giant stuff than usually I am just because I'm, I'm managing a whole bunch of different stuff still at college, but I'm here and I'm kind of back and I kind of have some more time, but I need you to get me back into this positive headspace of the New York football giants or negative headspace, depending on what you're going to be talking about. And I want you to basically go for it. State of the union, state of the football team, state of the New York football giants. Get right into it. Well, Justin, uh, and fellow podcast listeners. Um, let me start by saying that I'm honored. Uh, that I've been asked to give this address uh, really do, does mean a lot. Um, so there's a lot to unpack, obviously, in the first six games uh, of the 2019 Giants season. I'm going to begin by providing why there's reasons for optimism this season. Not, I'm not necessarily talking macro. I'm talking this specific season. So if you know, if you're one of those people that's all about oh, well, they're not going to win the Super Bowl this year, so we don't want them to go 9-7. and seven. We don't want them to go 8-8 eight and because eight draft position, blah, blah, blah. We don't want to sneak into the playoffs at 9-7 and because that really screws your draft position. I'm not talking to you right now. I'm talking to the people who don't care, who want to win every single game, who, uh, who just can't stand watching their boys lose because that's where I am. I'm talking to you. Um. So a two and four start by any measure is not ideal. Obviously, um, you can make an argument, of course, that the two and four makes complete sense, and it maybe was even predictable when you when we when we looked at the season to start. You know, their four losses were three of them were 
quality, quality opponents. Buffalo has a, has proven to also be a quality opponent. Um, well, that Buffalo game might be the only one you can really point your finger at and say that was a really winnable game. They they could have won that game. If we're talking about the this team's ability to win this season, I'm going to give you one big elephant in the room that we need to address when we talk about this giant season. That and if, that elephant has a name, and that elephant's name is the NFC East. The, the, the Giants find themselves, despite their 2-4 and four start, only one game back of both the Cowboys and the Eagles with one, lame, one game left against Dallas and two left against Philly. And that right there should give you plenty of optimism. Obviously, you have an opportunity to make up some games. You have an opportunity to make up ground on two teams that really have not looked impressive. The Eagles have probably looked a little bit more impressive. Um... They looked really good against Green Bay. They they looked terrible against Minnesota this past Sunday. Dallas has been in a free fall. Dallas now has players that aren't shake, aren't giving high fives to Jason Garrett, which I think is hilarious. Um, so just based on the NFC East, two and four in no way, shape, or form means you're done. So that's a reason for optimism right there. But Justin, we have we we got to talk about the defense. So I understand the defense has been rough for a very large portion of this season. And you can make the argument that even slightly better play would probably net at least one more win. And like I said, I think that would probably be Buffalo, um, just based on I don't really think the offense was going to do much against Minnesota. It was going to do much against New England. And back for the Cowboy game, it was a completely different-looking team. You know, you look at some of the guys, obviously Eli, but other guys, Antonio Hamilton, who – have not seen this, the field since that week. I think Buffalo is that one game they probably could have gotten. But honestly, that being said, I think they've played a lot better the last three weeks. And I actually think this is this is might be the might be a hotter take than the pumpkin take. I don't know. Honestly, they've played better than the offense the last three weeks. And I'm talking Washington, I'm talking Minnesota, and I'm talking New England. I think Washington and, and New England are obvious. You know, they did they played really, really well against New England. Don't let the 35 fool you. You know, seven of those points came on a pump block. Multiple turnovers. Mul- mul- exactly. Turnovers. Multiple turnovers for, for Danny. And I mean, there comes a point when against when you're playing against the Patriots with a somewhat you know, with with a somewhat full assortment of weapons. You're going to break. You're not going to be able to hold them the whole game. But that game was in reach because of the defense through the third quarter, which is beyond impressive to me. Uh, Washington, they were dominant. Minnesota, I get they gave up a lot of yards, but the defense kept that team in the game the entire game. So in those three games, they really haven't received any help from the offense. The offense does the classic Giants move, which is they look good for two drives. You know, wherever those two drives may come, they look solid. And outside of that, they don't produce, they they have not been producing much in the way of points. They've been moving the ball, but they're not scoring. Right. And David, let me also throw a stat your way. In the Daniel Jones era of four games, the Giants have only won the time of possession battle in five quarters, three of which came in the Washington game. Right. And I think, and I'm going to get into this in a second, I think there's a big, big reason for all of this. So I'll get there. So so remember, we're talking about optimism here. I'm not just trying, I'm not trying to be negative when it comes to the offense. There's a reason for all of it. And I think it's pretty obvious, but we'll get there. 
so the defense as a whole has actually been pretty sort of good. And again, I say that with, with hesitation, but some of their numbers are pretty solid. 16 sacks as a team. That puts them tied for 12th in the NFL. I'll take that any day of the week. Coming off the last couple of years where they could not rush the passer at all, 16 sacks is obviously an improvement from that. But you, know, you look at the guys on this line, and this is what I was saying in the offseason. It's going to be a defense by committee, and that's what they're doing. 16 sacks, six interceptions in six games. I'll take that. That is that's a fine number to me with a for a secondary that has been beat up a little bit and, and you know they've had their own struggles. And for a linebacking core that is really has been a big question mark to manage six interceptions, I'll take it. Do they give up yards? Hell yeah, they do. Are there guys who have been complete disasters? Um looking at you, Grant Haley and Antoine Bethay. Yes. But Marcus Golden, Dexter Lawrence, Lorenzo Carter, Jabril Peppers, these guys have been balling out, especially the last couple of weeks. Um, I'm especially talking about uh, Lawrence and Peppers, who I think have really, really improved the last couple of weeks. These guys have been balling. Even, uh, even Lorenzo Carter's tied for sixth in the league in quarterback hits. He has five. And he has a strong coverage grade with 76.1. Yeah, that's, you know, these are guys that when we started the season, when we were doing our previewing the Giants, Justin, we, we, you know, when you point out X factors, these were all guys on that list. If, if someone had asked us to put to, you know, pick three guys on the offense, three guys on the defense, I guarantee you a couple of these guys show up. Um, and I'm even, you know, remember after like week two when DeAndre Baker was considered like the biggest bust in draft history? I don't remember that either. I, I don't no, I, I I couldn't possibly remember that because he's been fine. There, he has not had any issues over the last couple of weeks, and he's gone up against a couple of really solid receivers. So the defense behind James Betcher is finding a stride, becoming more confident in the game plan. You can see it in the way they play. You can see it in the way they fly to the ball. Is tackling an issue? Absolutely tackling's an issue. Are injuries hurting them? Absolutely injuries are hurting them. But stop chasing narratives because it helps you sleep. The defense is not only just Whoa. fine, but I actually think this defense could be pretty damn good. And to this point... In my eyes, they've shown me a lot more than the offense has. So that wow. that's that's just my 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 thoughts on the defense. I'm I'm gonna pause. Would you like to add anything? You want to say anything, or do you want me to continue? No, I mean, I think we really have to emphasize again how good some of these guys on the defensive line and how good how good some of our edge rushers have been. I'm particularly thinking of. Carter, who, you know, thanks thanks to Vincent Rapaciardi, who pulled up that uh that stat from Pro Football Focus about the quarterback pressures um with five and how that was, you know, it's tied for sixth in the league. I'm sure there are about um, you know, 17 other guys in the league <laughs> that have five quarterback hits. Um, but nevertheless, he's tied for sixth. You know, Marcus Golden, Bobby Skinner put out a tweet today that basically is saying that Marcus Golden is having better production than Chandler Jones is in Arizona, which is kind of crazy because Chandler Jones is a much bigger name and he's getting paid, you know, really the big bucks. And hey, Marcus Golden, you know, don't blink. You'll be getting paid the big bucks coming up this offseason too. You know, these guys that 
Gettleman has bet on and these guys that, you know, a lot of people, you know, they've doubted at certain points. I think people, especially this year, started doubting Carter and he and he particularly he had the best game of his season in New England, at least in what you can actually see with your eyes in terms of the strip sack. And then it led to the golden touchdown. And then even Dexter Lawrence, who, David, on this podcast, we we didn't shit on the Daniel Jones pick. Nobody was really shitting on the DeAndre Baker pick because that was kind of a no-brainer at that at that 30th spot. That was a really good value pick. But David, the spot and the pick that we were really criticizing and we were kind of asking ourselves why was Dexter Lawrence. We were like, why? Yeah. <laughs> why 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 17? Why there? Why him when you had XYZ available? Blah, 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 blah. And dude, he's been. Like, not just one of the best rookies, interior linemen who, you know, rookies on the defensive side of the ball. He's been one of the best interior linemen in the entire league on the yeah. defensive side of the ball. So you you have to, you have to feel great about where that unit, at least in the on the front side, you know, again, and Dave Gettleman has built this team from the inside out. He's built it from the front seven, well, particularly at least the front four, front five with the edge rushers and the interior linemen. And then he's built it outward from there. And you got to feel great about that secondary. It's still a very much wait and see. And that's, it's unfortunate because that, that was the thing that we were kind of betting on this year, but also in a passing league, there is always a tremendous amount of pressure right. on your secondary. Uh, Sam Bill sighting, by the way. Oh, I, I will say the same thing that I have always said about Sam Beal until you can see him in live, you know, live drills where he's actually maybe taking a little bit of contact and where there's an offensive player on the other side of him. And then he's suiting up in a game. He's Jacoby Ellsbury <laughs> until then. Jacoby Ellsbury. All right. I'm going to move on. So move on to the offense here. We got to talk about Daniel Jones. There's no way around it. I'm going to try to not talk about him for very long because there's not much more that we can say um, from. We want to know what we, we we should. We should we should spend a little We're time going on to. Daniel Jones because it's been a little while since we've since you and I have sat in front of We're a no doubt going together. to. Don't you get me wrong. Um just yeah. overall thoughts the state of Daniel Jones. The kid's a franchise quarterback, that's clear. He makes good throws in difficult in difficult positions. He looks confident even against the best defense in the NFL in New England. For the most part, he makes pretty smart decisions. So, yeah, he's thrown six picks. That's a lot. That's too many. I agree. But he's faced some excellent defenses. Let's remember, at this point, he's only started four games. I think people forget that. It's been four games. I would love to, I, I you know, I haven't done this, but I would love to go back and look up, you know, take the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL right now, however you want to rank them, and look up their first four games. And then take into account, that he's been missing Saquon for all but 23 snaps this year. He has not had Saquon Barkley in the backfield Ooh. with him. He has only had Golden Tate for one full game, and that one full game was a game where he didn't have Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, Saquon Barkley, or even Wayne Gallman. The Giants offense envisioned the Gi I'm sorry, the Giants envisioned this offense to be made up of primarily Daniel Jones. Saquon Barkley, Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, Cody Latimer, Evan Ingram. That ha they have yet to touch the field together at once. 
And more often than not, they've been missing multiple of those guys. So, yes, I get he he made some bad decisions against New England, but they're going to bait you into that. And for as many bad decisions as he made, he made some plays out of nothing. He fit some balls into really tight windows. He threw a beautiful touchdown pass to Golden Tate. You got to take, as excited about the good as you get, you need to remember why some of these mistakes are happening. He's a rookie quarterback. It's been four games. David, you want to know what the most impressive part about that Golden Tate throw was? Go for it. The drive before Daniel Jones threw an interception. Mm, Good point. You know, how many times do we see Daniel Jones go out, make a quote-unquote boneheaded decision, make a bad decision, and then the next drive, he's delivering the best of balls and putting his team in the best position to win. So that's really, that's really, you know, again, we talk about during the preseason and, and, you know, it it kind of, I guess, you know, David, this is unfamiliar territory for Giants fans because we're, we're talking about a rookie quarterback and we haven't had to talk about a rookie quarterback like this. And, you know, since you and I were younger than teenagers, for God's sakes. And now, you know, we're, we're talking about things like this is the preseason, but I guess in a quarterback's rookie year, this is just what you need to talk about. He sh- Daniel Jones is showing traits. He's showing signs. He's showing you traits. And a bad sign would be going out there, making a bad play, and then coming back, and then continue. Or just, or just sitting on the ball, sitting on the ball, and taking sacks, and and looking like you're. In, he was indecisive. At no point did he end up looking indecisive. And that's actually what New England's very good at is they take away so many of your options that you don't know where to go with the ball anymore. Daniel Jones seemed to be confident where he was going with the ball. It just so happened that he was making mistakes sometimes. <laughs> and I, I think that's a great point, Justin, about his ability to to make a mistake and come back from it. And I actually said that, um, I think, before Tampa. One of the things, because we had said, we had talked so much already about what we needed to see from Daniel Jones and what more could he show us. One of the things I said was, I want to see how he reacts to a mistake. How does he react to a fumble that matters? Not, you know, he fumbled against Dallas, fine, but a fumble that really matters in the grand scheme of the game. How does he react to it? Does he come back uh, looking scared? Does he come back afraid to make the same mistake? From what I've seen, it appears to me that he's able to make a mistake and just forget it. And that's what you need to do. And that's what a lot of guys can't do until the fourth year of their career. David, another thing that I really really like and I think I had this epiphany maybe even during the the Minnesota game or the or the New England game the comparisons to Eli Manning have obviously slowed down since Eli Manning has stepped off of the football field but how much criticism did Eli Manning get early in his career for wanting to make a play happen too badly yep does that does that kind of make sense you've touched yeah. upon this before on the podcast. Can you kind of bring up that point quickly and maybe you can even see where I'm going where I'm going with this. I completely see where you're going with it and it's funny because I think it was that criticism early on in his career that made him so good during the Super Bowl runs but also allowed us allowed the Giants to keep him as a starting quarterback for so long because I think what happened was over the first say seven or eight years of his career, 
he 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 turned the ball over so much. He made so many mistakes, bonehead decisions, left-handed passes, passes across his body, across the middle of the field, easily picked off. He had three pick games, four pick games, but he was still successful, and and he still managed to to lead the team to wins. So if you looked at Eli and you said, well, the guy wins, really the only thing that's holding him back from being the best quarterback in the NFL is the amount of mistakes he makes, is the amount of interceptions he throws. So fast forward to about 2013 or so, 13 or 14, the, the interception numbers came way, way down. The, the not turning the ball over came way, way, way down, or the turning the ball over went way down. And... I think to a lot of people in Giants land, and I was guilty of this for quite some time, you look at the stats and they look the best of his career. He doesn't turn the ball over anymore. He only he throws the ball, you know, he throws an interception, you know, nine to 13 interceptions a year. That's that's pretty damn good. That's not terrible. But it also came at a price. It came at a price, and the price was they weren't they couldn't throw the ball anymore. They weren't moving the ball down right. the field. So I think right, where I, Eli, I, Eli Manning, Eli kind of started. I'm going to say that I, I think this has been a this has been a main theme that I felt from coaching these past couple of weeks with Betcher and Shermer. But Eli Manning played the game to not lose instead of playing to win. He used to play to win. And David, kind of like my overall point is that Daniel Jones is playing the game of football to put his team in a position to go out and win, not just not lose the game. He's going out there to actively win the football game. Yeah. If that exactly. makes any kind of sense. That's a, a another great point. I like that. I like that comparison to Eli. So, you know, all the talk about Daniel Jones, I've seen a couple of people talking about, you know, uh, Giants turn, you know, Daniel Jones t- turns the ball over this many times or, you know, way too many turnovers. Relax. Just, just take, take a step back, take a breath. What the rookie year is for. We're four. We're four, we are for. four games in. We're four games in, and this is why there's a big reason for optimism. This was this was my my last point. Big reason for optimism this week, this year, is Daniel Jones. For about half of his NFL career so far, has looked like a rookie. The other half, he's he's looked like a mature veteran. Even when he looks like a rookie. The team is still competing. They're still competitive. They're not getting blown off the field. He looked like a rookie for most of the game against New England. And really, the only reason the wheels came off in that game was because of a blocked punt and because the defense got tired. Let, let's call it what it is. And you can make an argument. There were a couple of plays earlier in the game that were questionable calls. There was a fumble that wasn't called a fumble. Michael Thomas probably forced a fumble early in the game. They didn't call it a fumble. Daniel Jones consistently is whether whether he's putting the team in the position or not, whether he's just putting them there or if he's just managing a team that is competing. They're competing. They're staying in the game. And I think a large part of that can be attributed to the defense, like I was saying earlier, and they're not getting enough credit for that. So next week we get probably as close to our full allotment of weapons that we've had at any one point this season. With Daniel Jones, of course, right? We're, you know, it looks like Saquon's back. It looks like Shep is back. Or I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It looks like Ingram is back. I think the only one you'll be missing is Shepard. Yeah, we'll we'll talk we'll talk more about injuries in a little bit because that may that that could be a voicemail that we get. Ooh, very. Ooh, I like the foreshadowing, so, Justin. 
Yeah, so so David, uh, do you have anything else you want to say before we actually move into those voicemails? Overall, I just want to say, to take it to a more macro point, um, I think the Giants are going in a really, really good direction. I think overall, if, you, if, if you're a Giants fan who pays attention, who cares, you can feel positive about this team. Even if they sit at 2-4 and four right now, and they might only go 6-10 and 10 this year, they might only go 7-9 and nine this year, I think there's a, there's a, there's a new feeling when you step even into MetLife or when you just think about the team, you, you follow the team, there's a new feeling about them. You feel like they're going to compete. Justin, my la- I just want to make this, this quick little blurb. I remember a three-week stretch in 2017 where the Giants never, they never left home. They never left New York. They played Seattle at home, had their bye week, and then played the Rams at home. I went to the Seattle game and to the Rams game. The score of the Seattle game was 24 to 7 they lost. The score of the Rams game was 51 to 17. Yeah, I can imagine that wasn't fun. I distinctly remember both of those games, especially the Rams game. And at that point in the year they were 1 and 7, I think. I think the I think the Rams lost made them 1 and 7 or 1 and 8. I don't remember which. I was at both of those games and I remember it being so painfully obvious the extent to which to which the team quit on themselves, they quit on the coaches, they quit on the fans, they quit on everybody. And I think for a lot of last year, it was kind of the same. I think you started to feel a little bit of that shift last year with a couple of the guys they brought in. This team walked into New England on a short week in the rain, and it was like 40-mile-an-hour gusts of wind, with a rookie quarterback missing your number one tight end, your number one wide receiver, your probably best running back in the NFL, and his backup. And the game wasn't over until midway through the fourth quarter. Game wasn't over until Pat Shermer decided to uh, not go for it on a yes on fourth down. And again, trying to not lose instead of trying to actively win. Yes, yes. So in conclusion, winning in the NFL is not easy. I don't expect this specific team this year's team, to ever win a game easily. They're not good enough to just walk all over a team and, and leave, the, leave the field with a victory. But for the first time in two years, I can play scenarios in my head where I can actually see the team winning almost every game. I can, I can play a scenario where I see if they do that, if they do that, they can win this game. I don't know if they'll make the playoffs, but I think 8-8, eight 9-7... And eight, nope. and those are those are not out of the question. Does that record make the playoffs in this division? It might. But I think they'll continue to win football games. I think they're only going to get better. And Justin, the best is ahead of us, and we're going to go along for a ride. It's going to be fun very, very soon. Yeah, the giant fan in me says, fuck it, let's go out and win the East. But like the realist in me is like, the Cowboys and the Eagles have like been preparing and molding their teams for years for this time, particularly the Cowboys. So it's like, ugh. Yeah, but they kind of suck right now. They both <laughs> yeah, kind of suck every, right now. They both look beatable. Is, yeah, everyone is kind of sucking. But, you know, whenever they step foot into East Rutherford, New Jersey, and particularly when we go to a Lincoln Financial Field, it doesn't matter how the Eagles are playing. Uh, it's it's a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a shutout city over it's there. A, it's so. a tough time. Hey, it's, just, it's just pointing it out, the only team that won in the, uh, in the NFC East uh, Week 6 were the Washington Redskins. Congratulations. I'm just saying. They're only we're, we're, we might be only be one game back. They're only two games back. 
congratulations to the Washington Football Club. They ran Adrian Peterson 35 times against the worst team in football, and congratulations, they won. Yes. All right. So uh, we started a voicemail line, which is exciting, very exciting. And I basically said to David, I said, David, let's wait until the offseason to do this. Let's wait until the offseason. Let's wait to when we can maybe get more consistently like a voicemail episode once a week or a voicemail episode, you know, going more frequently because I don't know how frequently we're going to do it during the season. David, I don't even make it one week. <laughs> I got this new toy. I got this new toy. And then I'm like, ah, fuck it. Let's just do it. <laughs> I was like, I have to be patient. I have this. I have this. We- I have this thing. I was gonna say weapon. That's a little strong. I have this thing in my back pocket that I'm gonna wait to introduce, and it's gonna be so great. Couldn't even wait one week. So here's the voicemail number to call in, and I'm gonna give it to you right now. I'll also maybe include it in the bio of this episode too, because um, if you would like to call in, if you would like to leave your thoughts, if you would like to be a part of the conversation, I've had plenty of people in the past. Say, hey, I would love to have like a guest spot on the podcast. I would like to be like a, you know, if you have like a fan on the podcast. Well, guess what? This is your opportunity. This is your opportunity. Leave a voicemail. Here is the number. 732-443-0862. 732-443-0862. That is not my personal cell phone number. That is not David's <laughs> personal cell phone number. Do not try to text me and call me casually because it will be actually be sent right to voicemail. I mean, talk to me. Talk to me and say whatever. You'll probably, good chance you'll be included on the show. So, David, you ready for our first voicemail? I'm, I'm very excited. I'm extremely excited. Let's do it. Very excited. All right. Let's, let's do it. Yo, yo, Bleeding Blue. This is Dylan Rivera coming to you from the Jersey Shore, baby. Just wanted to say I think the Giants look real good. Uh, you know, record doesn't show it, defense doesn't show it, but Daniel Jones, man, he's showing real progression, and that's not in stats, but it's in something that you can see on the field just with his conviction in the pocket. Uh, i got to be honest, he hasn't had a chance to even get a running game going, so it's been easy for defenses to harp on him. But you got to look out. you got to watch out for Saquon coming back, Evan Ingram coming back, Sterling Shepard. When this guy's got a full arsenal, it's going to be a big problem for defenses. And uh, honestly, our defensive rookies are looking pretty impressive. I don't think that the stats can show how good that they've improved over time. I mean, Dexter Lawrence is an animal. He might be the second coming of a Fletcher Cox for the Giants. Um, DeAndre Baker starting to hold his own. The guy's only going to get better with time. Cornerbacks always start slow coming out of the draft, you know, unless there's something immaculate. Uh, we still haven't even seen Julian Love or Corey Ballantyne, but I think that Dave Gettleman is doing the right thing. And the media can say what they want, but the, it's, the proof is in the pudding. We'll see what happens. Um, Shermer, Shermer's going to have to uh, kick it up a notch, show us some better play calling, some better game management skills. But other than that, I, I don't think that there's too many negatives. I mean, you know, obviously, aside from being a young team, giving up some points to some really tough teams, I mean, it's pretty positive outlook. And you know, look at the division. We might even make the playoff this year. Hey, man, go Big Blue. Enjoy the podcast. Proofs in the pudding, David. It's like one of Proofs my favorite. Proofs in the pudding. That's like one of my favorite, um, like sayings ever, because it makes no sense. Dylan Rivera is a, a close, close friend to the show, so thank you so Good much dude. for calling in, Good Dylan. Um, I want. I just want to thank everybody in advance for for calling in. We have about we have five voicemails that we're going to play, um, and all of them are fantastic. And thank you all. Like this means so much that we kind of just decided this like two days ago. 
to just like do this. And now we got like five calls and we have something to talk about. So thank you so much. We hope to continue this in the future. Uh, but uh, David, um, Dylan touched on a ton of things, but something that you didn't necessarily, that we didn't really get in depth into talking about was the fact that Saquon Barkley is going to be coming back this week. Um, I actually just wrote a very, what I feel is a very interesting blog on Saquon Barkley coming back and how that puts a tremendous amount of pressure on Pat Shermer. Haven't exactly liked the way that Pat Shermer has managed these last two games, in particular to game management when it comes to just throwing the challenge flag and then you burn a you burn an unnecessary timeout. When you talk about his play calling and I'm thinking about running on second and long, I'm thinking about in the red zone, you have play action rollouts when the field shrinks. I'm thinking of in the Minnesota game where there's a third and two, you run a fade to Evan Ingram in the back of the end zone, and then you pass the ball on fourth down again. Even though you had Elijah Penny, who was doing all right in short yardage situations and four down territory, you, you pass the ball twice on third down. I And then we even mentioned early on just a few minutes ago how he didn't go for it on that third down with about seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter, being down two scores and not letting your rookie quarterback go out there and get the experience necessary and think about how big that would have been for that rookie quarterback to go down, lead a scoring drive that would have resulted in the Giants getting within one score of the New England Patriots with maybe four or five minutes to go in Foxborough. That would have been a huge moment. But anyway, <laughs> getting back to <laughs> getting back to Saquon. Now that I did my little rant on Pat Shermer, getting well, you back to, to get Saquon, that, you needed to get that out. That's okay. I needed to get that out. And uh, Nikki Snacks and I, Nikki Snacks and I talked a, a good amount about Pat Shermer on our episode on Saturday, reacting to the Patriots game. But basically, I say this, I say these things about Pat Shermer and the Giants' offense because I feel like there's an expectation within this fan base, David, that Saquon Barkley is going to come back and he's going to fix that. Like he's like he himself with him coming back is going to fix a lot of those problems. I, I hope that that's the case (laughs) as a Giants fan. I hope that's the case. I hope that we can kind of get it together. And like, I, I read you that stat before about how, you know, four games, there's only been five quarters that the Giants have won the time of possession battle. And you would hope that the ability to consistently sustain drives is there with Saquon Barkley coming back. But David, I just get into, and what the blog kind of analyzed is the value of the running back position. You have to think about it, because even though you have Saquon Barkley, who's rushing for over 140, well, not, not just rushing, who's getting over 140 total scrimmage yards and touching the ball 17 times against teams like the Dallas Cowboys the first game of the season, and you could still lose mightily even though you have a running back that is very efficient and that is very effective. So, David, I hope I'm wrong. Well, and this is... I hope I'm wrong with questioning the value of the running back, but also at the same time, can Saquon Barkley realistically fix all of these problems that this kind of Giants offense has? And 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 I'm nitpicking here. I'm really nitpicking here. I'm not saying the Giants... No, I don't think you are nitpicking because I think... I don't think you are nitpicking. I think you're being smart because you're right. I think there is an expectation that Saquon comes back and all of a sudden everything's perfect and this offense is going to score 28 points a game. And that's not realistic. But I think what you might be um, undervaluing is that number I mentioned earlier, 23. 23 snaps, Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley have shared the field. Everyone is very willing to admit and be understanding of the fact that Jonathan Hillman limited Daniel Jones. 
there and limited the offense. There was no doubt about it because the, the nobody respected the running game of the Giants over the last couple of weeks. They haven't had one. It's very simple, and that makes it very, very difficult on Daniel Jones. What Jonathan Hilleman meant to Daniel Jones the last few weeks, Eli Manning meant to Saquon Barkley, the first two. Don't get that twisted. So if you have a running back and a quarterback and the defense does not respect one of them, it's going to make the other's life a hell of a lot more difficult. And when you look at the defenses that say the defenses that Saquon was facing with Eli, those are two very, very solid defenses in Buffalo and Dallas. So I get your overall point, and I agree with you to an extent. I don't think you can just expect Saquon to come back and everything to be suddenly be fine. But boy, I don't I don't think we're paying enough attention to how much Saquon Barkley not just does for an offense, but does to a defense. The pressure he puts on a defense. Um I saw a couple I've seen a couple of things to kind of say this, but if you look at the 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 game winning touchdown uh by Daniel Jones against Tampa or I'm sorry, it wasn't the game winner. It was the first rushing touchdown, uh, the read option. And you see how many people were committed to Saquon Barkley and left Daniel Jones by himself. Fast forward that, and you look at, um, I, I said this when I was watching the New England game. It was after the Giants got the first stop and they got the ball back. Nine yards on first down, second and one. Ran right up the middle with Jonathan Hilleman. If you look at it, there are holes everywhere. There's a hole to the right. There's a hole in front of him. There's a hole to the left. He stands there. He dances and gets nothing. And then they end up punting on that drive. Saquon Barkley hits that hole and is probably still running today. So I don't think he can fix them. I don't think he can fix the problems necessarily. But I would venture to say that Pat Shermer has probably called a couple of plays that have been there to be, to be had. And they just didn't have the guys to execute. And best believe Pat Schirmer's play calling changes with a fuller complement of weapons in the offense. All right. Voicemail number two. Yo, Justin, David, the whole Bleeding Blue podcast team. It's Ron Effect. You guys got a hotline and a lot of people to call in. Well, here I am. My thoughts on the Giants, they got to get it together. I see some progress, but just a little thing that irks me. We can either just get one half here in the first half or one half in the second. I need to get a four full quarters. The Giants need some change. Well, I need four full quarters and a bunch of dimes from Danny. He's got to keep it rolling. But the Giants, oh, new addition, Golden Tate, when your nickname is Showtime, well, this Sunday versus the Cardinals, the cable box better be working. For decent, I need more people than just Marcus Golden to show up every week. Your Bill Peppers doing his day. I need the secondary to get it together. But Janora Jenkins, oh, you're a jackrabbit. It's clear season. Well, you gotta be jackrabbit clear season all season long for 365, or at least for football season. Just my two cents off the top of my head. As Sunday gets closer, more will come. Keep doing what you guys doing. Greatest Giants podcast ever. Appreciate you guys. Jersey. Jersey. I'm ready to. I'm ready to run through a fucking wall. Jersey, I'm that was ready. Ron effect. That was Ron that was effect. Awesome. We, we interviewed him a few weeks ago. We did. We did. So uh, did did you catch did you catch the line? I don't know if Ron intended on doing this, but uh, we need four full quarters and a bunch of dimes from Danny. 
Did you catch that? That he kind of like put that in there? Ooh, I don't think that was intentional, but I like it. I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna have to text him and ask him. Like, did you intend to make that line? Because that's a fantastic line. That's awesome. So he mentioned. Oh, he mentioned a few different things. You know, Giants need to put together a full, complete game, and part of that is sustaining consistent drives. Um, I think the defense has showed an ability to bend but don't break, particularly these last few weeks against you know Minnesota, New England, both very good football teams. Particularly Minnesota has really kind of found its stride. But particularly on that offense side of the ball, we need to see just more consistently put together drives to give the defensive break. Because honestly, you feel shades of 2016, except that team in 2016 obviously won a lot more football games. Another thing that he brought up was a Showtime Tate, Golden Tate. Um, an important an important note to kind of bring up this weekend, uh, Patrick Peterson's coming back this weekend for the Arizona Cardinals. Yes. Yeah, Don't think, now David and I... David, I don't know how much I don't know how much prep you've done on the Cardinals since that you're that's your kind of at your kind of job on the Bleeding Blue team to do work into the other team for the pregame show, but don't think Patrick Peterson is going to be in the slot guarding Golden Tate. I would be shocked. Yeah, I, 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 I would I be absolutely know. shocked. That, I mean, that's my, just it's not where his skill set is. Yeah, my guess is that you know we got either Cody Latimer, Darius Slayton, and Benny Fowler's back. So welcome yes. back, Benny Fowler. Um, so I can imagine it's going to be a combination of those guys and Golden Tate's primarily going to be running out of the slot, especially since uh, Stoning Shepard's out a few more weeks with a concussion. But uh, this is where I want to go. This is where I want to go. But I, I feel like Golden Tate's sample size is still way too small to evaluate. And he's made some good plays, but we I would like to see him on the football field with, Sterling, with, um, with Saquon Barkley and see how everyone operates together when the three of those guys are on the football on the football field, including Evan Ingram as well. But he mentioned Janoris Jenkins. David, hear me out. I would not mind. I understand this is like doomsday scenario. Probably won't happen. But you could very much imagine that Steve Smagnolo is probably in Andy Reid's office saying. If we got this cat on our football team, look at what happened in 2016 when we had him. I can do wonders with him. And Steve Spagnuolo, for just for those who you don't know, ex-Giants defensive coordinator in 2016, and also defensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs right now. Kansas City Chiefs are in a win-now mode, David. And they can't stop anybody. Correct. Because people, because somehow people were convinced that Steve Spagnuolo is a good defense coordinator. I don't know who convinced the Chiefs that, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure Andy Reid fired Steve Spagnuolo because he was a terrible defense coordinator in Philly after he left the Giants and the Rams. He was great with us. It just so happened he also had, you know, fantastic players. Yeah, and then well. and then we spent a quarter of a million dollars <laughs> in 2016, yeah. and lo and behold, he was great. But David would. Would you do it? Would you would you make that call if you're if, now Dave? No, I'm sorry, Dave Gentleman. Does Dave Gentleman not receive phone calls, or does he not make? The, I don't think he makes phone calls on trades. He has like a thing. I'm sure it's a. I'm sure if it's a good enough trade, he would. He would. He he'd, he'd dial. But then you're like, oh, you don't want DeAndre Baker being your number one cornerback right now. That's also the thing. You don't. But again, it turns into. I've seen this. This has been talked about a lot recently. Are the Giants going to be? Are they? You know, 
you win this week, you lose this week. You know, what does that do in terms of, are you a buyer or a seller? Right. Right. Or do you just stand pat? You just stand with what you got. Oh, I hope they don't buy. (laughs) I certainly hope they don't buy anything. You need to garner draft picks. You don't need to give any away. You're not in a position to do that. So especially since Dave, yeah, especially since Dave Gettleman uh, has a track record of having fantastic drafts so far. Yeah. Yeah. Evaluator of talent. He is. He's been pretty freaking solid. All right. So I, I threw that out there. Um, let's move on to the next voicemail. Hey, Justin, how you doing? It's Leo Dugan. I've kind of been out of the loop for a while. Uh, some health issues. Speaking of health issues, certainly what the Giants have been going through has been some health issues. The offense starting to come back together. Hopefully the health will uh, get better with Ingram, Saquon, and uh, Sterling Shepard coming back as soon as possible, maybe at least two out of the three for this game. Uh, on defense, hopefully maturity is starting to kick in and we don't have the mental errors that have been occurring. But if we come out of this halfway through the season at 4-4, four and four, I'm feeling pretty good. But uh, that was kind of where I looked at the season being 500. Hope all is well. Take care, and I'll be listening. Bye. Oh, Leo. Good day. Leo, my great, our, our great friend of the show. Leo, I hope you're feeling better, my friend. Leo and I have been communicating uh, throughout throughout the season, and I know he's been struggling with some health issues. So I hope you're feeling better. I hope you're resting up. Um, I hope you can um, get back to 100% um, eventually there, Leo. And I hope, and kind of surprised, that Evan Ingram is back already. Well, I mean, he was kind of on the fence for last week. Didn't he have like so a have sprained to... MCL though? He sprained his sprained MCL, yeah. I don't know. I'm all right. If you if you haven't picked it up by now, I'm very conservative with the injuries. I was like, going to say wanna... you're, and you also are. You're extremely critical of this team's uh, medical staff. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm also just like, there's no way that after breaking your thumb one week, you should be catching footballs. <laughs> <laughs> there is no way after getting a high ankle sprain one week after two weeks after you should be jumping like you're Superman again. If you're Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram well, is. is a walking is needs to be placed in bubble wrap to begin with. And he had a sprained MCL and we're bringing him back already. But you want to know what David, there's part of me that says, you know what? There's part of me that says, I don't know if Evan Ingram is realistically a part of this team's plans in the long run just because this team values so much availability is the best ability. I know Pat Shermer likes his big body tight ends, even though Evan Ingram has showed a great ability to not be a weakness in the running game this year in terms of his blocking. Neither here nor there. I would have thought that they would have kept Evan Ingram out maybe for, I don't, I don't know. I'm not a fucking doctor, but sprained MCL seems like you shouldn't be out for just two weeks or one week. And he's back. But also I have to keep in mind that this team really does want to win football games like right now. So if there's one guy to kind of rush back who may not be a part of your long-term plans, it's Evan Ingram. Well, look, I, I, I'm going to maintain the same stance that I took uh, when you were going crazy about the thumb injury for, for Shep in, in the offseason. He, if, if the team doctors say that a guy's ready to go. As far as I'm concerned, a guy's ready to go. Well, that's a cop out. That's not good radio. Why is that a cop out? I'm not a doctor. I, I have no idea. I'm not idea. a doctor either. But I'm a bad guy, and I could still fucking question him. 
Well, as long as you know you're a bad guy, will you do it? I'm just not going to take part in your tomfoolery. Right. Tomfoolery? Yes. What's that? I've never heard that expression. You've never heard tomfoolery before? No. Really? No. That's shocking, considering you're an old man. I'm shocked you don't know that. Ooh. Means like chicanery. Uh, clowning. Uh, what not? Yes. But yeah, I'm not a doctor, so I, I can't make a judgment on that. I'm happy he's back. And if the team doctors say he's ready to go, as far as I'm concerned, he's ready to go. Next voicemail. All I got to say is that the Giants finna get a dub yes. on Sunday. I'm going to be there. Got my tickets and everything. About to be there with my boy. Finna enjoy the game. Win or lose, but I know for a fact we get in a dub. Man, I always be, I always bleed blue. No matter what, always a Giants fan. Win or lose, make it or not. I love my Giants, baby. Born and raised New York. Was good. Xavier Ramos coming from the 413. Check you out. Xavier Ramos coming from the 413. <laughs> it sounds a lot different when you say it, Justin. We're gonna, we're gonna catch this dub on Sunday. Hell yeah, we are. David, um, David, are you're using my ticket to come to the game this Sunday, correct? Quite possibly, yes. All right, so he, our boy, Mr. Ramos, is going to be with his boy, and I'm also going to be with my boy, which is you. Okay. I just thought that the similarities between those those our two stories was compelling. That we're just with our boys? That we're just with each other's boys. <laughs> I'm your boy. Mr. Ramos has his boy, and we're all going to watch a Giants dub this Sunday. As boys. As boys. As Hell the yeah. boys we are with testosterone. Let's get it. On I to agree, our last though. voicemail. Oh, you, you agree? You agree we're going to win? I, I do, actually. Kyler Murray is a hamster. Next voicemail. <laughs> hey, guys. This is Tim in Florida. I just want to know what your guys' thoughts on the nickel situation is. Grant Haley obviously is not the long-term situation, although I think he gets a little more hate than he deserves. But he has no ball skills. Do we see Julian Love? Do we try Corey Ballantyne in the nickel? Great show, guys, and how many are you aware? Now, call me crazy, call me maybe. <laughs> think that sounded like Bobby Miller. Uh, Bobby Miller, fuck. Nice. <laughs> who was I Miller? Bobby, I don't know who Bobby Miller is. Think that sounded a lot like Bobby Skinner, the host of Talking Giants, friend of you the know, show. I was, think, I was thinking the same thing actually, but Tim I don't know. He, he, but he said his name was Tim. I don't so, know, all right, thanks for calling Tim, and you sound a lot like Bobby Skinner. Um, <laughs> Tim should go into voice acting. <laughs> David, uh, what in the world are we going to do at nickel cornerback? Uh, you need to not have the nickel quarterback be Grant Haley. I'm I'm really really tired. I mentioned it in my State of the Union address. Um, if there are if there are some guys you can you can pick out that have been really big problems on this defense, he would definitely be one of them, and he'd probably be first in line. I pick I'm picking him first. If he's in the pumpkin patch, he's the first pumpkin I'm picking. So you got to do something different. Who the answer is? I tend to lean Corey Ballantyne. Um. I just think 
I think in the preseason, he showed more than Julian Love did. And we talked about this, Justin. Uh, I don't think Julian Love is really even the right fit for the nickel in in my estimation. Um, I think Ballantyne would fit a lot better. At this point, you got young guys. You're trying all your young guys out at this point. Everyone's getting reps. Why aren't these two guys getting reps also, especially when there is a glaring hole? I don't. I, I don't understand it. I actually have I have I have a not strong opinion on this, but it all goes back to value of positions. And I really do think that the nickel cornerback is probably the second most valuable spot in your secondary. In my opinion. I, and I don't think that's much I don't think that's much of a hot take because I think you have your number one corner, then your nickel cornerback, then maybe you go to strong safety, um, and then the rest from there. Because a lo- what you're seeing teams doing, David, you're seeing teams' best wide receivers are lining up in the slot. So the fact that you know you can have DeAndre Baker, you can have Janoris Jenkins, you can have Corey Ballantyne waiting in the wings. Now, I think I also think that I don't think it makes sense for Ballantyne to play slot because number one, he hasn't taken a single snap from the slot at all yet. I think they're two totally different positions. I think outside corner and nickel cornerback are two totally different positions. So I, I don't even I don't even think that is I think Tim from Florida has a lot of knowledge about the game of football and he was trying to catch us in a in a bit of a in a bit of a oh you're stupid. I'm 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 also having trouble thinking of a he's trying he was trying to he was trying or no here's here's what I'm saying. He was Tim from Florida was trying to catch us in a in a gotcha moment. By saying, "Oh, you put Corey Ballantyne in, in the in the nickel corner," I don't think it works that way. I think for this football team right now, you have Grant Haley nickel cornerback, or you have Julian Love nickel cornerback. If Dave Gettleman is going down this whole rabbit hole of valuing secondary over edge rushers, I think he needs to prioritize getting a nickel cornerback if Julian Love isn't the right guy for the spot. I think the draft capital. And where the Giants got Julian Love, and for the player that Julian Love was coming out of college, I think he can fit. I think he can fit. It's just a matter of when the team thinks that he's actually ready to get playing time. And clearly, that's nowhere near from happening right now. I don't think Sam Beal is an option over. Um, I'm sorry, yeah, I don't think Sam Beal is an option over. Who the fuck? Grant Haley. Because they're again, it's two different positions. It's two totally different positions. So that's where I lie. I that's love where I disagree, lie. Justin. It's it's either Grant Haley or Julian Love. And Grant Haley, let's just—I mean, I was talking about this during training camp. How Grant Haley was doing things outside of coverage. Well, it's it, sometimes this could be a tough look when you're a corner and you're not doing very good things in coverage. But Grant Haley, outside of coverage, he's doing great things. At least in training camp, he was blitzing. He was coming in on blitzes. He was getting sacks in training camp. But even during the regular season, there hasn't been much of that. But he's been playing great in the run game. He's been great in tackling. And he's been great at doing some other intangible things, taking good angles. So don't know if Julian Love is ready. Don't know if Julian Love can be much better. Don't think Ballantyne and Sam Beal can fill that role because they're two totally different positions. So that's going to have to be a matter of investing capital into that position over the offseason, whether it be through the draft, 
whether it be through free agency, because you see teams over and over again, whether it's by design because they know that the nickel cornerback is a weak spot on this Giants team, or just because it's the natural trends of the NFL, the team's best wide receiver is lining up in the slot. And the Giants need to recognize that that's a trend, and the Giants need to recognize that that's a trend, particularly happening against them. I so, think, David, that's I think our, you're in denial. Yeah. I, I think the Giants just don't have a nickel corner on their team right now. Ooh. And I think Grant Hilly is. I just think he's an that has something, and it might That might have something to do with why the Giants' pass defense has been uh, suspect this season thus far. Yeah. Because uh, Grant, 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 Grant Haley has been awful. You that know, all, that's all. That's all I'm saying on the matter. I'm done. No, but where where you've seen Baker and Jenkins struggle the first part of the season, now they've kind of buckled buckled down a little bit, and now you're seeing where really the weak links are lying. Where it's now it's becoming a trend, particularly these last two weeks against Minnesota and New England, because you know you had Adam Thielen lining up in the slot, and then you had Ju- Julian Edelman lining up in the slot. So right. hopefully they fix that. Hopefully they can do something with that. Hopefully Julian Love can get on the field. Probably not. But, David, I think that's it. That's our final voicemail. And that's our state of the union, state of the football team, state of the New York football Giants conversation. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, a good time. I had a ton of fun doing this. I love the voicemails. Um, I want to – I would like to make them an integral part of the the podcast uh, moving forward. Even if it's not for this season, we're definitely going to be relying on it over the offseason. I would love to get voicemails – just breaking down the NFL playoffs when the Giants are in it, but also hey. if the Giants are in it. <laughs> um, so I'll be optimistic for now. So, David, uh, keep on bleeding blue. Um, you'll hear from us for the pregame show this weekend, this Saturday night slash Sunday morning. You will hear from us then. Keep on bleeding blue. And, David. Uh, stay beautiful, everybody. <laughs>